Hi friend, welcome to this episode. I am totally excited about it. We go deep. Take a moment, please make sure that you have signed up for the next Calm Reset Circle. It's free. It's a time when we can come together and calm the nerves. And you know, mama, it's good to do that. All right, let's get into the show. Today's episode, I have a lovely human, lovely woman named Christina. And we're going to be speaking about the ups and downs, the winding road, the wide path of recovery. Right. She is a mother in recovery. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. It's been so lovely to get to know you. So I'm very excited to share and be of service in any way that I can be. Yeah. So your sober date is? Uh, May 6, 1997. I got sober after a Cinco de Mayo party went really, really wrong. (laughs) So Cinco de Mayo is typically um, tequila. Yes. And that's what got me, that sent me to rehab or at least outpatient rehab. I decided at that point in time that I was going to outshoot shooters of tequila, like two, three ounce shooters, my bus boys, because Uh I was in the hotel business and I literally had maybe 300 people at my house and, you know, all kinds of parties and I ended up passing out really young, really early in the night. And when I woke up, there were people all over my house, you know, asleep. And there was all this fun. Now, remember, this is pre-phone camera days. Oh, yeah. But they were telling stories, and I had missed out on all of them. And that was, my party started on May 4th because that was my day off. I didn't have, you know, and in Colorado, we don't really do that very well. We just like any reason, you know, when you're drinking, any reason to have kind of a party. And May 5th, I got up and I was so hungover. And the, it was literally the first time I really have ever done this. Um, I started drinking again because up until that point, one of my boundaries as an, uh, a person in the hotel business was that I didn't drink during the day. I was really more afraid of losing my job and not being able to perform. Like I got more, I'm a huge approval addict, huge, you know? And so that was some boundary that I had. And up until that point, I had never crossed it. And when I did, I will never forget that day. I called a guy that I knew was pining for me right? And brought him over and I started drinking and it stopped working. You know, the first time it stopped working, did it make me feel better? And I negotiated with him a deal that I would marry him if I didn't have to work. Right. And if he lost about 20 pounds because he was a little chubby and, you know, you know, the people we hang out with, they don't have great self-esteem either. And then by the end of the night, I thought, holy hell, how am I going to get out of this? I don't want to marry him. You know, I don't want to do any of that. And we were all in this massive master bedroom that I had. Just a bunch of my codependent, lovely Alan honors all together. And I said, I, it occurred to me, shit, I, I have to quit drinking. I'm in trouble. And I have no idea why, but God's grace, I feel like shined upon me because I ended up Well, I had, let me back up. I had called out of work and said, I'm not coming. In fact, I'm quitting. (laughs) I called my assistant manager. I was the manager. And I said, I'm not ever coming back. I'm not coming back to that shitty job. I hate it. And he was probably still drunk because he had been at the party, of course. And he was like, Christy, 
you have got to come back and got really pissed. Mm-hmm. I can't work a double shift. And I was like, sorry, dude, I'm not coming back. You know, we do that stuff, right? We don't show up. And because I crossed the line of my job, it, it shook me enough and the alcohol didn't work. I got scared because my solution to life wasn't my solution anymore. So, so I'm just thinking about, okay. So tequila, I I can't stomach tequila at all. I'm just thinking that's the worst. One of the worst hangovers is tequila. Mm -hmm. It was another really bad hangover is gin. I can't drink gin either. Um, I remember a few parties where all we had left was gin and water and it was delicious at that point. That's all we had left in the house to drink. Oh and I was God. like, this is the best cocktail ever. Right. <laughs> and I'm just thinking about, you know, you're, you're saying, okay, marry me, lose 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to work mm-hmm. again. Like we think that th- this is it, right? We, we think we're in our right mind. Yeah. Saying and the job's stuff. the problem. And, right. right. The the job, everything is the else is the problem. We're making things mm-hmm. up and it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's insane. So did you find yourself, um, you checked yourself into rehab. That's what you said. Yeah. It was no. outpatient. outpatient. I wish I had known about okay. inpatient. I found out about 25 days into outpatient and I was like, what the fuck? Oh, are we allowed to swear? I was like, I could have had the day off. I mean, I could have not worked for 30 days, you know, shit. Why didn't I know about this part? What happened was I went in and because I told you I had this huge sense of pride when it came to my job, I went in and had a meeting with the director and my assistant manager where I made a very public apology uh, about what I did. And I sat there and it's really interesting because the gentleman's name was Rich and he was an active alcoholic too. There's so many of us in that hotel business and food and beverage. And I said, I, I have an, I'm pretty sure I'm an alcoholic. I have a drinking problem. Was that the first time you said it? Out loud that day was, yeah, I maybe had thought about it, you know, coming up to it, you know, I, I would, you know, I would sleep with people I didn't want to sleep with. I would black out almost every single time. And I would drive drunk very rarely because I couldn't walk, but I absolutely did many times, you know, as the disease progressed for me physically, I went down really fast because I was 27 and I had not really started drinking till I was 21. I'm one of those weirdos that waited till it was legal. And I have to tell you, alcohol served me. There were times because my family dysfunction was extreme. There were times that I am so grateful now that I could consume alcohol. So I didn't put a bullet in my head, you know? Right. And it served me during those times. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful that when it started costing me a lot more than I was willing to give is when I was able to go into a program. But the the gentleman, Rich said, well, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I guess I'm going to quit drinking. I had no idea about AA. I had to be one of the few people on the planet at that time who had never seen it. And if I had seen it, I didn't know what it was. And he said, you know, you don't have to do it alone. We can help. Like what? And told me that they had an employee assistance program. And that's how mm. I got ushered into a into outpatient rehab. Right. So uh, we don't know what we don't know. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously I wasn't looking for it for a long time. Right. And when I did, so many of my friends were scared and said things like, you're not an alcoholic. You just drink a little too much. You just can't. But I knew in my heart that I couldn't stop it. And I don't know if I went in, I'm pretty sure I didn't go into outpatient rehab with the idea that I would never drink again. 
that I learned there. In fact, I was 90 days sober before I even heard about AA meetings. And that, and you know, I remember the rehab lady was like, there are five things that you could have done and not paid to come here. And everybody's like shaking their head. And I'm looking around, I'm like, Oh, what are those five things? Because I had never, I hadn't had no clarity. And she was like, get a sponsor, read the book, not don't drink. And you know, there were, I don't even remember, but at the end she's like, and attend meetings. And I'm like, okay. Cause I didn't want to look like I didn't know. Uh-huh, so the uh-huh. next day I called her and said, what are these meetings you're talking about? Right. <laughs> and she's like, so you've been around 90 days and you don't know what meetings are. I'm like, Nope. Another example of, I wasn't ready to see yep. it. Yeah. So you got sober mm-hmm. and you've been sober since that time. And as we get sober, life emerges. Right. right? And and we have to, we have this, at least my experience is like, there's a waking up process. Absolutely. Uh, and there's so many awakenings. Mm-hmm. So I know you're a mom. Yes. You have one kid, two kids, how many? One. One kid. So mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about being a mother in recovery mm-hmm. right. and what that is like for you mm-hmm. and how you're, recovery has supported you. Oh, without it, I would not, I'm not sure we would be alive. And that's not exaggeration. Right. When I got married, I was seven years sober. And this was, you know, I had a little uh, practice marriage beforehand with an older gentleman, you know, the whole cliche of daddy's, you know, mommies with, you know, girls with daddy issues. I did that. He was 24 years older than me. He groomed me for a narcissistic relationship. And all I knew was he was a little better than the, the war zone that I had graduated. You know, I had been on my own physically since I was 17. So no support whatsoever with family. And I met this man and got a marriage in and out, right? About eight years we were together. And so when I got sober, we had already split apart. And that's where I thank alcohol for giving me the courage to leave that abusive relationship. And so when we, when I met my son's father, I met him at an AA meeting and I did the whole thing. It was almost like I had a checklist and on our first date, we compared our checklists and I said, okay, you're the one, you're the one I'm going to marry. And we did. And It was not the right thing to do, Mm. but you know, there's no regret, right? We don't regret the past in order to shut the door on it. And within about a year, I got pregnant and I mean, I was on birth control. So it was not necessarily like, oh, I'm ready. And because I had been raised by literal wolves, I had no idea what the dynamic of parenting was. So I had a couple of as you're saying, awakenings. When I had my son, I had done it all in the right order. I had uh, bought a home or I got married, then we bought a home and then I got pregnant. So it was in the right order. And I felt like God was going to absolutely reward me for being such a good little alcoholic and for helping. I was, you know, I still had that dynamic of I'll be a good little girl and you'll protect me. Mm -hmm. And so when I had my son, the first thing that I recognized, and I think that And I could, I mean, I'm not an expert in this area about postpartum depression, but what I was going through is people would have labeled it postpartum depression. But what I knew was that it was the very first time that I actually knew in my body what I should have been taken care of, how fragile and little I was and how I should have been taken care of. And that 
grief was monumental. And I'm so grateful that I had already had the steps to work through that grief yeah. because I'm looking at this precious baby and I'm realizing, wow, I should have never been where I was. I should have never had those things happen to me. My um, parents really didn't like me, not exaggeration. And at 13, my father had passed away and it was abusive and disgusting, you know, kind of cycle. And then at 16, I found out that my parents were actually my grandparents and my older sister was actually my mother. So all my brothers and sisters up until that time were actually aunts and uncles. So I really it is the, not an exaggeration to say I, I was the cause of many problems for them, just my existence. And uh, so I still carried that DNA of like, I'm, I have to work to be able to breathe. I have to be really good. I have to give away everything. I can't earn too much money. I have to be small. And then, and not understanding true unconditional love. And when I had my son, it broke me open. It broke me open to love and to receive love like I never had before. So even in seven years of sobriety, mm -hmm. I still hadn't gotten to that place. Mm -hmm. And I had to do the work. Oh my gosh, I had to do the work on my parents, you know, and that might've been the fourth time I had done an intensive um, inventory. And so uh, I, I did all this stuff right up until that point. I opened a business his first year of life, right? Still trying to perform, right? This is me, truly. Yeah. yeah. I had a C-section that reopened and I had to be packed every day for four months for it to be healed. And there I was losing the weight and working really hard and learning all the stuff and, you know, applying that uh, practice, you know, the practice of a perfectionism, the pursuit of perfectionism, not really getting some of the principles of the program at a cellular level. And then um, his diagnosis came. He is. Give me a minute. It's okay. And I'll tell you, as I was driving home, I read, because he was slow to speech. I read, you know, what happens when your child isn't you know, went in and Googled it mm -hmm. and read the, the autism diagnosis and knew that yep. was him. Yeah. And I had to shut down my computer because I had a job and I opened a business mm -hmm. and drive home. And I remember I felt like I don't want to live. Yeah. I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live. Mm -hmm. And that was the real awakening. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in Al-Anon, we learn, you like this paper towel? <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Susie Homemaker over here. Um, you know, we learn you can't cure it. You didn't cause it. You can't c control it and you can't cure it. But I didn't believe that about autism. Yeah. You know, so the last 14 years of my sobriety have been the hugest awakening about a higher power is control. And I almost feel not that I think you attract things, you know, like negative things to you. I know there's a whole system of the law of attraction, but I don't think I attracted this. I won't take responsibility for that. You know, um, and a lot of people will say, you know, God knew you could handle it. And I want to tell him, yeah, fuck you. God knew I could handle it. <laughs> no, it sucks. He is a child 
who's vaccine injured. So it happened within 24 hours. He got very, very sick and lost his skills. Um, Okay. Wait a minute. You you can't just drop that bomb right there. And I can't. Yeah. That makes me. It's infuriating. Oh my God, Christina. I am so sorry. Yeah. He, uh, at 18 months, he went in and had his 18 month boosters. And, you know, I am very much the person who believes genetics load the gun and the vaccines trigger it. They yep. pulled the trigger yep. and I got to watch it happen Yeah, right in front of me um, where he was his 18 month checkup. It says a plus plus, you know, on the little paper. Mm-hmm. And within seven days, I have the same doctor giving me a referral to the regional center to get him assessed. Same child, but seven days later, he lost all of his skills. And boy, did I have to do the work because I was pissed. I was pissed at God. This is not the life I signed up for. I've already been through enough. My childhood sucked enough. I've already been through a narcissistic marriage and I'm doing the best I can with everything that's given me. You know, I really had it in my mind that if you did, if you were a good little girl, life would be protective. And so I had to work through that. I had to work through the anger, the resentment, Mm -hmm. uh, the fear. And thank God I did have AA. I will say that, you know, I want to give people the finger that say, you know, God knew you could handle it. And I know on some level that's true, but I've also, I've learned since then to honor the anger, honor the sadness, uh, to walk through the fear of what will happen. My son, you know, if you had to label it, he would, he would be severe. He is nonverbal. And I do think it's interesting that in my opinion, my biggest lesson on this earth is to honor the voice that I have, you know, that I'm supposed to speak up against abuse and atrocities. And I'm supposed to stand up for people and including myself. And I think it's very interesting that I would have a child that cannot do that necessarily for himself. Mm-hmm. So yes, for t- I've never needed the program and the principles of the program and the support as much as I needed the last 14 years on that road. Thank you for okay. sharing. You're such a beautiful story. I was, as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm just thinking about, we don't know what's coming to right. us. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I never, I never know what tools I need mm-hmm. in order to stay sober. So I'm just doing them all right. I'm just like, let me read the book. Let me talk to somebody. Let me right. Like I'm just in there working my program because my life depends upon it. Exactly. Yours and, and now, your children's and, life. And, that's what I was just going to say. And now it's like my kid's life depends upon it. Your child's life depends upon it. And there's something really, um, I don't, I just don't know if people understand that as a mother, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, like until you're a mother, until you have a child with special needs, you, you do not know. You just don't, you just don't get it. And so it's like that too. Right. Right. Yes. And, and my son is by far not, there, there's no comparison. Sure. No need to be. No, but, but other people think there's a compare, like we can compare kids. And I'm like, I'm always like, no, you cannot. No, don't even do that. Don't do that to me. Don't do it to yourself. Uh Um, one, one thing that you, that I, I love that you said is that you have this voice Mm -hmm. and you found this in recovery. I'm exactly right. Multiple Uh, 
times. Multiple times. Mm -hmm. And there's such a interesting dynamic when we have that, uh, like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. I have to speak up. Right. Right. So what, what are you now speaking up about? Like, are you only, are you speaking about recovery? Are you speaking about uh, vaccines? Are you speaking about autism or what, what's your voice doing for you? What is interesting is that I have been a champion of nonprofits. I've been a champion about school advocacy. I've, you know, given that away and used it as my ministry, almost my service. And I still have that, but the, The big lesson recently in the last two years is that I'm doing my son a big disservice by being so connected to his outcomes. And I know as a special need parent, we do this where Billy has to have a good day every day for me to be able to breathe. And we do it with our our neurotypical children. And this is such a lesson as mothers. And I remember he didn't sleep for 10 years. And I'm not exaggerating. You know, I have to say that because I think people don't understand what that looks like. You know, they sleep to five prisoners. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just the fact that I did that without picking up because, you know, I didn't have mommy's little sippy cup to help myself breathe. Did you have somebody helping you? Oh, I hired people. I knew how to do all of that. And I am so, I would love to, and I still do give talks about what do you do when you get a diagnosis? You know, what's the first thing you do is you find your friends and you tell them you need to raise money. Yeah. Yeah. They ask you, what can I do to help learn my child so that I can take a shower and sleep? Yeah. Yeah. You need to raise money to help them because it's not for the weak or the poor, you know, autism recovery and autism recovery is a lot like being is a lot like drinking, you know, they you're in a fog, So two years ago, five years ago, I met my husband now. Don't forget to make sure that you sign up for the Calm Reset. You can jump on over to recoverlikeamother.com forward slash reset. I will see you there. Looking forward to it. Let's get back to the show. So I'm I'm a three-timer. Three times a charm, right? And uh, so I know you can meet anybody. Okay, wait. So do you have a relationship with the other two men? The first one, no. No, um, no, he's a little crazy. So, okay. Really, gone. I moved to California to get away from him. The, the second one is my son's dad and he is also right. in program. That's how we met. Right. And he was pretty pissed five years ago when I said, you need to go. Yeah. I mean, talk about having courage. I, yeah. And I'm like, you need to go, you're making it worse. And yeah. I remember looking at him and saying, if you stay together, one of us is going to die. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be me. So <laughs> You go. And he was pretty mad. But he became the father that I think I think it was the best thing for him. It's still painful, like breaking up a family. It's not easy to do, even a broken family. Mm -hmm. But in the last two years, he has awakened and he's been part of his son's life. So another miracle of the program. Yes, you know, absolutely. Is waiting long enough to allow people to have their own awakenings. And uh, so, yes, he's involved. And then I met somebody and I'm like, listen, if you can meet somebody at 47 with an autistic kid that will never probably leave home and they're like, yep, I'm signing up for that. Then you can anybody can meet anyone. (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like because on paper, I was 
the bottom. And uh, when up until that point, I had always slept in the same room with my son because he would wake up and it was a way for me to protect him. I could lock the door from the inside. He, I could kind of go in and out of sleep. <clears throat> and so he was used to sleeping next to me. And this is when I really realized that he was as worried about me as I was worried about him. So when my husband to be moved in, because we did live together before, you know, it's like there is no dating in autism that you need to know if they can hang. You know, can you come and hang in this situation? And I remember my son's face when Kelly moved his stuff in. We made a big show. We created a beautiful room for Billy. So he had what was his and it was obvious, like, this is your new room and look how fun and look at these toys. And then that night he kind of walked down the hallway. Billy did and kind of looked like, do I lay with you? And I said to him, no, bud, you got your own room now. And I remember his look on his face. He looked at Kelly. He looked at me and I saw the relief go like this. And that's when I went, holy shit. I'm thinking that I'm helping him. And he's thinking he has to be okay for his mom to be okay. Oh, I was like, wow, honey, I'm so sorry that I've been holding you responsible. And so my passion now is to spread the word that even in a special needs area, even in an addiction recovery, you are responsible for creating your own happiness. Mm -hmm. Do not put that on your children. Um, It's your job. That's exactly right. It's going to be the thing. It's the best treatment you can give your child. That's exactly right. Is that they can be however they need to be on their journey. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm so with you on this. Mothers have to, they have to recover. They have to take care of themselves. Exactly. Right? There, there is no middle line on this. Right. And, and that, um, you know, the airplane is going down, put your mask on is never more true for a mother. Like, right. so recently, uh, you know, I had this like, oh my God, I, the plane is going down. <laughs> the plane oh, is God. going down. Yeah. You know? And I really, I had like, I had to just take off. I just had to like exit the building, you know? And I think we get so caught up and I see this all the time. I see it with my clients. I see it with just women around Mm me. Uh, Just, I have to stay. I have to make things perfect. I have to do everything that doing just like with your son, right? There's this loop that happens. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, they have to evolve themselves right? They have to be able to stand up. They have to like understand what's going on in their body. Right. Mm -hmm. And and they have to, not that they can regulate their emotion or maybe they can, maybe they're, maybe they're older, but it's like, they, they have to learn as well. Well, and it's it's true. Yeah. The, the um, human spirit, it's amazing. Even with diminished capability, he still can grow. Yes. 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 Oh my goodness. I love, I just, yeah. Were you able to, were you able to leave and without any shame? Cause yeah. I'm working on that still. Yeah. The shame <laughs> actually, you know, it's so interesting. My shame will disguise. Uh, mm, it's not good enough. That's too, it's too worrisome. Um, mm-hmm. it's too much trouble. Right. And then it, it becomes, Oh, you're a loser. Like it really, mm-hmm. it'll go that quickly. And mm-hmm. then I'll know, then I'll know, like, I, like, I gotta go. 
Like <laughs> I can hear it like almost now I can distinguish those voices. Right. But again, it's taken me a long time. Yes. This is not yes. an overnight matter, right? Like our literature uh, is really clear on this is like my life, right? Yes. Like I have to wake up slowly. Like it, it's, exactly. well, it hasn't been, a, go think ahead. Think about a baby that wakes up from a nap. They generally wake up crying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, I really wanted to be sleeping. Right. You know, I don't want to be woken up. And right. so- I know sometimes the pain, you know, there's a lot of, you can't even control or uh, you're wakening up, you know, you can't control. It's going to be, for me, it generally is attached to some kind of sadness, you know, or fear and the fear, I thank the fear for showing up because it reminds me, it shows, it highlights an area that I have to go and work on. And I don't know if I feel that inside, but I know it up here. And since you can control your thinking, you know, the couple of things that I love about the program is act your way into the right thinking. Don't Mm -hmm. think your way into the right action. Mm -hmm. And also self-love is an action. And then I always know what the next indicated step is. Self-love is an action. I'm Mm -hmm. quoting you on that. It's beautiful. It truly is. I have, you know, it is, it's like when I work with people and we start determining what their green light activities are going to be, you know, everybody knows what their red lights are. Oh, I already crossed the line, you know, but we kind of know our yellow behaviors. If we don't, if we're a little more transparent, like Mm -hmm. uh, I'm getting into the area where I could slip and I could have a relapse or I can pick up my acting out behaviors, but very few of us work as intensely on our green light behaviors that allow us to fill ourselves. And that's what I say is your job. Yeah. I really feel that strongly about it. So let's give, let's give our ladies some green light behavior Mm -hmm. activities. Yes. Um, being a Virgo, I don't know if you (laughs) horoscopes, but if you read a Virgo profile, it fits me. I knew for years that I don't really know how to have fun. I am still learning how to play. Um, I did a course in human design. I don't know if you've ever heard of it and ended up being uh, the projector where my entire motive on this planet is to learn how to play. And I understand those words, but I actually employ people to help me um, Mm -hmm. where I have a goal when I'm sitting down my behaviors and my life and I'm visualizing where I, where I go to, well, you know, Corona kind of put a dent in it, but where I, uh, go out and to a comedy show, uh, listen to listening to really good music and taking the time. If you're a Gen Xer and don't know how to put together your playlist, employing your friend's 13 year old son, you know, here's $20, send me up a playlist on Spotify. So I don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, of course, it does have to do with physical, but self-care is not just pedicures and manicures. It's allowing, it's learning how to say no to a lot of things so you can say yes to the right things. That's it you know, right it's there. That kind of practice. Yeah. And, uh, and so that list, having that list written somewhere when I'm struggled and I'm back in a corner and I've been triggered by all of the stuff. First, I say, of course, baby, of course, you're triggered. Look at all the years that you were taught this. Look at all the years. Look at the evidence that supports why you think about it. Now think this way about it. Now let's look at the evidence that doesn't support it. And let's go after that. Because as an adult, I have the capacity to change. So moving my body, uh, taking exquisite care of this vehicle, you know, Mm -hmm. with good foods, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, 
forgiving myself for the negative bias that's going to happen anyway. That's something that I think is really important to know that our brains are designed to keep us alive, not happy. And so, you know, that have you ever heard, I don't know what's wrong with me. All I think about is what's negative. Well, yep. that's your brain, yep. sweetie. There's nothing wrong with you. That's normal. So that kind of stuff yeah. to me is great. It's so uh, empowering as we stay sober, right? I feel like long-term mm-hmm. recovery is really empowering, but there are definitely pitfalls mm-hmm. and we have to keep practicing and we have to uh, find activities to uh, lighten our spirits, keep right. our mood up. Are you, do you have a daily routine that you mm-hmm. are committed to? Yeah, I do. In fact, uh, I give it away for free. It's uh, first, I start with priming my brain. You know, I give myself 30 minutes before I touch technology, mm-hmm. uh, which is really hard with Clubhouse right now because I'm yeah. loving it. Yeah. Um, but I do, you know, 10 minutes of uh, breath of firework. Yeah. Uh, it came from Tony Robbins originally. And then I've, you know, uh, twisted it and did some different things. 10 things. Of, I have like a little cheat sheet worksheet that I give away. because It's just to remind myself, you know, so 10 minutes of breath of firework or it's actually three and a half minutes. I'm sorry. 10 minutes would be hard. You pass out, you, like, mean- <laughs> you know, where you grow, you blow in from your mouth and out from your nose because that really engages the, the front of your brain, the part that's thinking. Mm-hmm. And then, um, three minutes on things that I'm grateful for. And really like, I literally do this motion where I'm bringing them into my heart. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn that with compliments too, rather than yeah. reject, I'm able to go, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's practice. And so two things that I think are extraordinary and usually one thing that's pretty mundane because I don't want to be grateful only when things are amazing. And mm-hmm. there's a parade, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be grateful for something small. And then I do a visualization uh, for three things that I see myself doing in Mm. the future. And again, those are, you know, maybe two really extraordinary things and then one mundane. And I really see myself doing it. And then I exercise, I move my body. I only, sometimes I can only get 15 minutes in, but that's enough. That's enough. You know, it gives you the BDNF protein that resets and overrides the autonomic nervous system. And then 10 minutes of journaling. That's a, that's a great morning routine. That's 30 minutes. Do it. I mean, 30 minutes. Okay. Ladies, friends, like that's really power packed. That's Mm -hmm. fantastic. And I do believe if I can do it with a child that need vigilance, like I had to, he was, you know, he loved, he had pica, he, he's gotten away from it. And pica is where you uh, try to digest, put in your mouth, non-food items. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I literally had to watch him, you know, obviously over the years, everything was taken away from my house, but he would get into your purse and take your makeup. And there's a lot of lead in your makeup. Yep, and yep. he did so much that he actually had lead poisoning. Oh my goodness. And I assure you, I wasn't giving him paint chips for snacks. Right. You know, he was right. craving it. Right. And, and so when somebody says, I don't know if I have that time, I'm like, no, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. No, I think that's one of the, I don't have time. I don't have time. That's a, that's a big fat lie. It is a big fat lie. It is. is. And to me, then I turn around and say, what's the payoff of sitting in the muck then? Cause something's paying you off. You know, you're getting something out of being depressed. You're getting something out of, you know, holding on it perspective. Yes. Yeah. And if they are, then let me know when you're done. (laughs) It's not not personal, you know? 
Oh, so much goodness here, Christina. Uh, are you going to write a book? I need a book coach to do it. You know one? Okay. I do. See, I, um, that's how we get this stuff done. Yeah. So one of the parts when I was talking about my uh, son's father stepping up mm-hmm. with Corona, he, my son's six foot, six foot. Wow. Know? He's 16 years old. Where's the oh, size 12 shoes? Big boy. And because... And I, this is true of all children. They act the worst with their mothers, right? Because yes. they're safest. Mm-hmm. So with homeschooling, because of Corona, yeah. he wouldn't do the things I needed him to do. He wouldn't sit still. And so for literally, it's been eight months. His dad took over the Monday through Thursday gig. Wow. I know. And it's been great for both of them. Because okay. don't I want more people in my son's corner besides just me? Yes. Amazing. And so I actually, for the first time, do have a couple of days to really write. And I think that there's a story. Everybody has a story. And that's part of my speaking up, you know, like what I say is important and it will help somebody. So even if the book is just for me, I think it's there. Up until then, I'll, stru- I'll just tor- uh, story tell like I am yeah. right now. No, it's so important. I've written a couple of books and mm-hmm. it's something that is just empowering. It is, right. it is ju- it's such a good tool. And I, I strongly, it's one of the things that I do with my ladies and yeah. it, it's again, powerful, dynamic, life-changing, and it, you don't even have to have the book out there, right? It's just for, it's for you. Right. And again, for you, and I'm thinking, just thinking for you, Christina, for your voice, right? That yes. is, that would just be the next step on your journey. Exactly. It is in my 12 month plan that within the year, I'll start doing the disciplines. Cause I, I read, um, Seth Gogan's mm-hmm. book about delivery. I forgot what it, the name of it is his latest. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I, I loved the idea that you write every day, mm-hmm. you write every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's right. Doing the footwork and leaving the results up to God. And so I was like, okay, I need that. I need that discipline in a book, but I also know coaches are incredibly important and I am a coach, but I hire coaches so that I can have that accountability. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't have to know it all. Right. I'm the same way. I I totally believe in that as well. Uh, so what I want to wrap this up. Sure. We've gone over our time, Uh but I couldn't stop because I just love talking to you You and you have so much, so much richness in your story. And there's so, yeah, so much inspiration. So how can people find you? Right. Oh, like where can yeah, they come and follow your journey and sure. learn more about you? Thank you. Um, yeah, I have a website. It's Christina Dennis.com. There are a lot of freebies on there. You just kind of become part of the thriving tribe. Nice. And, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, share my story every week, mm-hmm. uh, from a, uh, a recovery point of view, mm-hmm. um, as a special needs mother, and just to elevate the conversation out there. It's uh, my form of service. So if you want to know more about me, there's a, a free Facebook group that I just started because I got forced to do online after yeah. Corona happened. Mm-hmm. I was meeting people in person and doing the workshops in person and was just fine with that. And so had to pivot and get online. And so, yes, I'd love it. I love it. People want to join the Facebook group or get to know me through my freebie. It's called five to thrive. So just jump on that and get that sent to you. Okay. And the special needs group on Facebook is uh, learning to love your life. There we go. 
Mm-hmm. All right, Christina, I just All want right. to say thank you so much for being with us and sharing thank your you. incredible, incredible story. Thank you very much for having me. You are a recovering mother and mm-hmm. yes, you just so good. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, friends, until next time, may you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious that fills you up so you may be the best you can be. Until next time, take good care. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure to follow along Christina's journey. Make sure to reach out, say hello, and sign up for the next Calm Reset. It is once a month. It is free and it's made especially for you. You can find it at recoverlikeamother.com forward slash reset. See you there.